0: The not
1: Number 198. The one where, you mean to tell me them headings ain't in the original King James? The Theonauts Podcast.
0: Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello all you Theo naughty people out there. You're naughty. You're naughty. (laughs) Naughty.
1: You're just naughty. (laughs) Naughty. What? <laughs> that was even worse than the last one you did, just saying by the way. I'm David Gannie. I'm Jeremiah And <laughs> Together we are The Theonites. The Theonites. The the
0: oh, we- yeah, man. How you been? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. How's it You've been naughty? I've been naughty. <laughs> <laughs> I am yeah. I am totally depraved, right?
1: <laughs> it's a naughty is a woody word, you know that? It's a it's a woody word. A woody word. It's terrible. That's not terribly tinny. You don't know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Monty oh, yes. Python. Oh yeah yeah. yeah.
1: Oh man. <laughs> Took you a minute. Yeah. Click. Yeah, there it's it goes. Been a while. Yeah. That's one of the best it's skits the woody, of all time, by the way. Yeah. The woody word. <laughs> It's a woody word. It's fo- very woody. It's terribly tinny, <laughs> tinny, tinny. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, well, I'm doing good, by the way, David. Good, good. Glad to hear it. I uh, I just finished my introduction on this gigantic uh, book report paper I'm writing for seminary yeah. on this book by this guy by the name of uh, Alec Ryrie. hmm He's like the cousin yeah. or brother of the dude that did the Ryrie the stody, Bible Study. You know, talking about yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's the book is gigantic. It's called Protestants, uh, <laughs> the faith that made the modern world. So it's like this entire history. A Protestant, and I'm supposed to write, like, I'm already knowing that I'm going to go way over my paper limit, because I'm supposed to only write, like, six pages on this, six to seven pages, Yeah, and I know, like, it's going to take me forever to talk about everything he talks about in this book, <laughs> so I'm trying to dumb it down and make it easy, and that's where I'm at right now. It's kind of crazy. Oh. Hey, uh, Well, that sounds really cool. I, uh, I got some feedback on the last episode, by the way.
0: Yeah? What kind of feedback?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of uh, my lay people in the church said that every time I talk to you or get on Theonauts, I put on a Texas accent. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you knew to you know that that border
0: doesn't stop accents from happening. <laughs> like, that's, not the, I'm that's like, not the way it works. I actually... I know a lot yeah, of people from Oklahoma, they pretty much have the same accent. Like, it's not a lot different.
1: That's what I said. I think it's the exact same accent. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Y'all you're, you're are crazy because, <laughs> I mean, I hear people like that talk like that all over this fair state of ours. Mm-hmm. So just leave me alone and let me there's talk variations. in my Texas accent when I want to. Yeah, there's variations. There are <clears throat> Oh yeah, that southern the southern accent is like a sma I mean, you, you can go to Georgia and they talk like those honey dripping from the mouth, right? <laughs> and you go to Texas and it's all how do y'all well, that's what, how y'all doing? Yeah, that, that
0: Louisiana thing is is kind of that same low draw, right? Uh, yeah, about to dish out some main South Carolina. Justice.
1: <laughs> Gonna feed you to them gators. Just see how you're
0: doing with them
1: gators. <laughs> Eat some that <met> toufay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on down to Mardi Gras
0: <laughs> I, that's, I love that SNL skit. Like that's The main justice.
1: <laughs> oh, the, Z- the
0: Jason gator. Sudeikis as the judge. Yeah. It's and it's like they're totally <laughs> confused because they're up in Maine but they all do this Louisiana accent and everything's about gators and
1: yeah was. your
0: sentence is to eat the biggest mess of was. <laughs> it's like wait a minute my sentence is to eat powdered donuts
1: <laughs> yeah it's funny that's awesome so um man yeah that's <laughs> So what you been doing lately?
0: Oh, let's see. Got some changes out at work, changes in reporting, dealing with new people. So that's kind of fun. But uh, oh yeah, yeah? it's it it hasn't been uh, hasn't been boring. But uh, well, that's good. Things are going good.
1: Awesome. How's your pup?
0: Oh, she's good. She's growing like a weed. Yeah, she's uh, she's a big handful, but she's like she's actually not a big handful to be honest. Like she's she's really a a a chill dog. When she gets around people that don't know that she's not with all the time, she does get excited. She has that puppy thing, you know. Sure. Just you know, every day around the house, she's really well behaved and pretty pretty chill. So, Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm well. That's good. I'm digging it. So I don't know if we even did Theo knots around the time I got the I got her. I don't know if we even No, have, we were if we even talked about Josie on the podcast. Like that was like a a big thing. I was like really invested in dog training and all this stuff.
1: <laughs> you went dog crazy, man. I did. You like yeah, you, you even got like only dog things for your birthday and well that was a select group of people
0: that did that
1: (laughs) right but that was pretty cool i mean i i just think uh it's it's pretty neat that that little dog like is loved more than any other dog i've ever seen so So, kudos to you for that yeah
0: so to catch everybody (laughs) up this this um when was it it was in february or march march when it was when i got her so, uh yep. Landry Neal, who has been on The o knots with us, mm-hmm.
1: she talking about women's roles yeah. I think, or something
0: and <laughs> yeah that was a popular episode uh, yeah, <laughs> so anyway, um, she is fostering like pets, and she had this little bitty boxer puppy that she was fostering and trying to find a home for and I was like yes so I got her and it's just been yeah boxers are great anyway I just yeah she's been I I I got heavy into the the training and uh, went pedal to the metal on that and it was it was really really cool
1: you even taught her how to use a bell to let you know when she needed to go out to the bathroom yeah yeah
0: so, the, the main thing that I just wanted out of her was to learn how to be well mannered. You know, that's right. to me one of the most important things. I don't really care about tricks. I just want her to be well mannered. But there's, there's all kinds of cool like metaphors that was coming out of the dog training that led to like some of my sermons. I was like, okay, this is like, you know, the, the, the relationship between us training a dog is very much like the relationship between us and God. Like, uh, did we
1: not do a Theonauts on that? I felt like, I feel like we did that. Did we? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think so. If we haven't, we've got to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'll check. I'll check to see see if we did that. You know, we are getting old and we forget what we've done. We're almost up to 200 episodes now.
1: Yeah, man. Two more episodes until our two Yeah. We're talking about some fun things to
0: do. So you guys, if if you're thinking about giving up on us, you should at least wait. Another couple of
1: episodes. (laughs) Right, exactly. Just see it through the end. That's all we're at. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, it's kind of like the millennium (laughs) or whatever. Y2K. Like,
1: (laughs) right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. It's going to be. (laughs) <laughs> i think i think this is going to be the end of an era and the beginning of a golden era that's oh, what you i think this, this was going to be. be it's going to be like
0: comics like yep. comic
1: books right exactly yeah it's the end oh, of the silver age yeah
0: or uh motion pictures you had that you know you had that, yeah. that golden era the 50s the 60s but then you had the 70s which was like some of the best movies ever made have come out of the 70s like good stuff <laughs> man it's
1: Said like a true cinephile who's crazy about Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not just
0: Kubrick. You had Coppola. You had Star Wars come out of the seventies.
1: Oh yeah, the very yeah, one
0: of your yeah. very first major superhero motion pictures, Superman.
1: Superman, man, and that was probably the pinnacle. I mean, it was one of the greatest. Close Encounters ever. of the Third Kind, but, Jaws, yeah. Like,
0: all kinds of good stuff,
1: but you you can't doubt that the greatest movie came out in 1989, or was it 91? Oh Anyways, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. movie came out mm-hmm. then. When I was, oh, was
0: AFI has rated that. AFI rated it like number five yeah. out of the top 100 movies of all time.
1: It makes sense. It's an amazing I'm kid- movie. I'm kidding. It's one you can just keep going. By. Oh, <laughs> you just broke my heart. <laughs> you like straight up. It's the Chick fil A thing all over again. I don't think I can trust you anymore, man. I just, I can't read you. I can't trust you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, of course it is. You know, number five of the world. It's one of the best movies ever.
0: I do that with the Bible all the time with you. Like, you just accept that I know what I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) Oh, really? Uh oh. You heard it first on Theonauts. David doesn't know what he's talking yes. about when it comes to the Bible. Maybe we, maybe we need to do some uh, some Bible trivia in and, and, uh, hey, and keep you honest. We do- yeah, we seriously need to get back into Bible trivia. I was thinking about that the yeah. other day. Super yeah. fun. One of my favorite segments, and we never do it anymore. David, come on. We,
0: it's like we we got to be a little less long winded, I guess. Speaking of which, are you ready to talk about your topic? <laughs>
1: What a segue. <laughs> Let's do it.
0: All right. So what are we talking about, man?
1: Well, we are taking a deep dive into the book of John. And uh you asked me earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I came up with this topic, and I wanted to give you this little backstory. So you are doing a slow reading through Mark, and that's how you came up with um, the topic for um, The Woman with the Issue of Blood and Mm Jairus's Daughter, which, by the way, I got to preach uh, (laughs) yesterday night, which was really Mm -hmm. fun because I had all that information to go back on. (laughs) Did you just uh, give
0: the Theonauts episode
1: for... I thought about just hitting play on Theonauts <laughs> and sitting down <laughs> but I didn't know. Well I am uh, in my Bible study this year, um I started on January first. I've been doing um the Bible projects through the oh, yeah. Bible on mm-hmm. um and it it's been incredible. So Man, I felt like I would never make it through the Old Testament, and I finally made it through the Old Testament. It got some bogged down, you know. And uh, this is my second time reading through the Bible. The year before that, I did um, another method, and it jumped around a lot. It yeah. was Old Testament yeah, and yeah, New like Testament, chronological
0: well, or something. Well, no, it was related
1: readings. Yes, it was related to readings. It was really good. Um, John Piper actually recommended it originally. but So I read through the Bible then, and that was good. But this one has just been absolutely incredible because along with reading, uh, you watch the videos that the Bible Project uh, puts mm-hmm. out. And I, I don't know if you guys, I, I mean, I've, I've sung the praises on Theonas before, but it's such a good, practical Um. Picture they they put forth a good practical picture of what the text is talking about what it's what it's focusing on the author authorial intent I mean it's just really a good way to study the Bible and so i we made it through the Old Testament and at the end of summer we hit into the New Testament and we did we started with Mark and now we're in john and um anyways uh I finished the first video of John there's two of them and something like jumped out at me that that was kind of surprising and it was about the seven signs. So I want to give a little bit of backdrop about John before I jump into the seven signs. John um is not a synoptic gospel. It is not anything like Matthew, Mark and Luke. It's ve- it's written stylistically so different that it's kind of, it's, it's surprising when you get to John after reading Matthew, Mark and Luke, because they, they seem to Matthew, Mark and Luke seem to go in a chronological order. They kind of follow the same patterns, even though they're written to different audiences and focusing on different things uh, or thematic elements in their various books. John goes a totally different direction. He gives a <laughs> prologue um, where he talks about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things he starts back in Genesis. Yeah. Uh, John does, uh, and he 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 talks about Jesus participating in creation. Then he has all of these metaphors all throughout all throughout the book. The metaphor of light is a big mm-hmm. one, right? Um, and then there's the seven signs. There's the seven I am statements followed by se- uh, seven uh, other way, seven other times where he just say- states I am. Which, if you don't know the history behind that, that's that's the name of literally he's he's referring to himself as God yeah. whenever he says. People start picking Uh,
0: up stones and start getting ready to throw them at him whenever he says I (laughs) am. Right.
1: Exactly. He focuses on um, the four Jewish institutions. He focuses on the four Jewish feasts, right? The book is divided up into two main parts. There's um, basically chapters 1 through 11, and then there's chapters 12 through 21, the epilogue, Mm -hmm. which is – and and it – it has this flow of symbolism throughout the entire book. And that, that kind of just blew me away. But the thing that, that shocked me about the seven signs that the Bible project threw up were they were the, they were different than the seven signs I'd always grown up hearing about, um, in, in, in Bible class and in, 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 uh, in the church and stuff. And so it caused me to do a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Why would the Bible Project throw out seven signs that were different than everything I'd ever, dun, ever heard dun, before? Dun. This is dun. something new. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I ended up... Uh, what's great about being a seminary student is I have a- access to <clears throat> the Swibbets Library, the Southwestern Theological Seminary Library, and I'm able to go and read all these scholar journals on... You know, millions of different topics. And so I pulled up my Swivets library and I found several articles, but one of them w- that just blew me away. And so I have to give props to the person who wrote this article because he presented this as something that, that I'd never seen before uh, Brandon Crow. Um, he's writing from Westminster Theological Seminary. And the name of the article, if you ever want to go look it up, is called The Chiastic Stru- Structure of the Seven Signs in the Gospel of John. <laughs> Yeah, Revisiting a Neglected Proposal. And basically he writes uh, upon this one guy by the name of... And this was in 2018 he wrote this article. But he writes based on another guy named Mark Girard who wrote this theory of a chiastic uh, structure in 1989. Mm -hmm. Okay? And basically everybody glossed over it like you can't find it in any um you can't find it in, in really in any mainstream uh <laughs> of books about John or really? um uh what are those called uh you know the study study notes about yeah commentaries mm-hmm. like hardly any of them there's like one that uh <laughs> that uh crow found on Gerard's study but he breaks <laughs> down these seven signs, and sheds new light on them, so today that's all an introduction today I want to focus or tonight I want to focus on the seven signs calculated in John okay um now, whenever we read about the seven signs, they're specifically mentioned the first two are specifically mentioned yeah. uh the first one appears in John two one through you eleven. That's the term. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Go ahead. Let's go ahead and read these. Okay. On the, John 2, 1, one through, through 11, 11. Go ahead.
0: In the ESV. On the third the day, God. there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman. What does this have to do with me? I, I don't know. I just let... I give him a, I give ah, Jesus a little attitude. I My, love that. Woman, what is this to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants... Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted, the water now became wine and did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, and the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, Then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him.
1: Okay, so John specifically points out the turning of water into wine, which we've covered on Mm Theonauts before, a beautiful metaphorical story. Mm -hmm. Um, And he specifically mentions that this is the first of the signs. Okay. The second one where he specifically mentions is that he specifically mentions as a sign is the healing of the Royal officer's son. And if you want to, that one's found in John four 46 through 54. Verse
0: 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, Sir, And he, be- and he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee.
1: Okay. So that's the, the specific time where Jesus says this is, or Jesus, well, where John says this is the second sign. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves it up to the reader to decide the rest of the signs. <clears throat> Now, typically in tradition, in most commentaries, you will see that there's seven signs, right?
0: Which makes sense.
1: The other ones that most of them, yeah, because seven is the number of completion, Mm -hmm. right? There's also seven I am (laughs) statements. I mean, seven is seen throughout the book of John. Yeah, and and it's called the
0: heptatic structure. And John was big on it. Right. He he uses it in Revelation, too. Like, it's crazy how much it's in there. (laughs) Yeah
1: he's he's definitely he's pushing this number seven the heptatic, mm-hmm. heptatic structure um so it's up for the reader to figure out what the other what the other um five are right mm-hmm. and uh most most modern day scholars will tell you the third sign is the healing of the paralytic um or not the is it the paralytic yeah, yeah. John the Tom. healing of the paralytic by the pool of by the pool of Bethesda mm-hmm. right the the fourth sign is the feeding of the 5,000, and that's found in John 6. The fifth sign is walking on water, found in John 6 right after that, 15 through 25. The sixth sign is the healing <coughs> of a man born blind, John 9, 1 through 41. And this culminates in the seventh sign, which is his major work, which makes the Jews decide, all right, we're going to kill him now. Yeah. The raising of Lazarus. Which is john eleven one through forty six in fact it's it's become so much a part of modern thought in in biblical terms that I have my c s v that I teach out of all the time uh it's I like teaching out of the c s v because it's uh um Baptist. it's called the Christian standard version, right It's really easy to understand my students pick it up pretty easily, and it's also it's pretty faithful to the to the original Greek and Hebrew. I like that it's a word-for-word word style mm-hmm. um, translation. But if you look at the headings, you will see that they literally label all the rest of the signs. The third sign, healing the sick, and, the sick in chapter 5. The fourth sign, feeding the 5,000 <laughs> in chapter 6. Yeah. The fifth sign, walking on water. And then it labels the seventh sign uh you know the raising or feeding the five thousand or then then raising Lazarus right, so it's very interesting to me that they took it upon themselves just the, the uh, translators slap
0: it in there, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just just to go ahead and put it in there. If you open up other Bibles, you won't have that. Like my ESV doesn't have that kind of labeling, but it's it's so prevalent that that's been, that's been the labeling for the CSV. It cracks me up mm-hmm. thinking about this because nowhere does John indicate that these are the other signs. Right? He doesn't say it specifically. He does come back and say he performed many other signs and wonders. Uh, but he doesn't say it specifically. So why do we have these seven? Well, because these seem like seven miracles or miraculous things that Jesus did, right? And so they just assume, but it's not specifically mentioned as a sign or given a numerical value. Some have argued that they are not a specific number, but this doesn't really jive. We've already talked about with John's symbolic or artistic writing style. Um, and his point to include other patterns, so I mean that 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 seven is important yeah. um, for example the the uh, jesus 's statements during the four main feasts <laughs> feast, which are the Sabbath, Passover, the Feast of booths, and Hanukkah right? right where he he makes these bold statements, the seven I ams and the seven other statements um, and then it doesn't work with the point that John is calling these signs to begin with. Nowhere, none of the other Gospels use the word signs mm-hmm. for Jesus' miracles. The word is simeon, um and the meaning is an indication, especially supernaturally. In the other Gospels, they usually call it miracles or teras, dunamis, or works, ergon, mm-hmm. right? So... <clears throat> Why? Why did John call these signs? Because they point to who Jesus is, or what Jesus does, or what Jesus brings. Right. That's the purpose for these signs. So there's got to be a greater reason. And signs that John calls these are signs are
0: tied somehow to like prophecy or something. Because, like for example, whenever he, Jesus is always complaining that everyone's looking for signs. And, you know, at one point he says, the only sign you're going to get is Jonah, the prophet, like
1: (laughs) Jonah's son. Yeah. 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 In fact, I mean, he even says in whenever he heals the royal officials, uh, son, he says, You're only going to believe in me through signs and and wonders. And John is making the point that Jesus did do signs so that they would believe, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting to me. That John makes that point where others in the other gospels, such as Matthew, um, or such as sorry, such as Mark, it almost seems like he's running away from the people who are seeking those signs and stuff, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is very, very interesting to me. So, anyways, so the point is. John is, he has to be pointing at signs, and there's more than likely seven of them. Some people argue that there were eight instead of seven, and they include the following. So follow these with me. Okay. Or, and these are others that, that theologians have indicated as might be signs. Jesus cleansing the temple in chapter yeah. 2, verses two. Which isn't miraculous, 17.
0: necessarily. It's right. just him going exactly. to town on people.
1: Doing something, yeah. right? Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus regarding the serpent in the wilderness. Okay. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. Remember that one, if I be lifted up. It's also where we get our most famous verse mm-hmm. ever. Uh, for God so love the world. And some people think that might be a sign. Jesus walking on water is a big one. Most people point to that as the, the other sign. Mm-hmm. Mary's anointing of Jesus. Some have indicated that that might be one of the signs. But that's really messed up because Mary is doing the work right. here. Jesus isn't even doing any work. Jesus washing the disciples' feet in chapter thirteen, one through 11. Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Oh, you skipped the triumphal gonna... entry.
0: That was, that was on there, too.
1: Oh, yeah, triumphal in- entry was another one, right? Uh, Jesus' resurrection appearances... And some have even indicated at the end, in the epilogue, Jesus' or the disciples' miraculous catch of fish, you know, yes. where Jesus tells them, throw your uh, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, that's the seventh sign or that's the, you know, 15th sign or whatever. <laughs> so it's all over the place is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. This is not a set theological the or a, an orthodox belief.
0: The text doesn't specifically give us seven definitive signs it gives us two
1: <laughs> right
0: and we're right. we're assuming that there's probably seven because that's john's way of doing things or we don't Absolutely. we think that it's it could be a lot of things
1: <laughs> right I- exactly yeah so the more i studied this and then looked at look at this guy's argument, um, Crow's argument, the more I've I've come to agree with him a hundred percent, uh, Mark Gerard and uh this guy Crow. And um the main reason is because there's a huge chiasm here mm-hmm. in John, mm-hmm. if you calculate it correctly with the signs. Okay, let's give a so a, a quick
0: uh um throwback. So if you're confused about this word, We're- chiasm or chiastic, go, what episode was that? We, we did it last year. Oh. <laughs> it yeah. was one of the last we ones we did chiabs. before we went on our, hi, our last hiatus. So for more, for more Theonauts, for more chiastic uh, goodness and yummy poetic m- morsels, <laughs> I don't know. Go listen to that episode. It'll kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about. But it's basically a pattern of of it's a poetic uh st- structure in that Hebr- the that the Hebrews, the Jewish people were like uh, almost obsessed with. Like you see it everywhere in the Bible. Right. It's like a it's like a a word sandwich where you have yeah. a piece of bread on both ends. And then you have some condiments on both ends, and then you got the meat right in the middle,
1: right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I, a good so this is a like a Chick-fil-A a burger. This, it is a Chick-fil-A burger. A good example of this, uh, spiritually speaking, would be the Bible itself. Mm-hmm. You start out with a garden. You end with a garden. Mm-hmm. What's the meat in the middle? Yeah. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, mm. right? Yeah. So the chiastic structure is stories, and, and this is how John uses it. He uses stories that point to and have parallels to each other, and point to the middle, um, which which is a big one. So here we go. Let's let's break yeah, down let this chiastic structure. This is, is
0: this what uh, Mark Girard? This was his his uh, finding.
1: Like, this like, is, yeah, originally Gerard's. He's findings. the guy in the eighties that got glossed over that totally got glossed okay. over, which makes total sense to me. But uh he didn't include some things that I'm gonna include. Um but this is this is basically what, what he, he found yeah. in in studying this. So we've already read the first sign, which is turning water into wine, mm-hmm. which is a biggie. Mm-hmm. Then we read the second sign, which is the healing of the officer's son. Yeah. He believes, and I think that the third sign is actually the healing of the the man by the pool. Yeah, um, it's a paralytic. And so, if you want to, you can turn there, John five one through eighteen. Okay. After this,
0: there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, "Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred, and while I am going, another steps down before me." And Jesus said to him, "Get up, take up your bed, and walk." And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. And now that day was the Sabbath. So are we continuing? Till the Jews, yeah, so the continue Jews to uh, said to the man, 16. who had been healed. It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he... (laughs) So So funny. Okay, so, But he answered them. The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Well, who is this man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? And now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward,
1: So, it's important to read that that whole piece because it totally fits in the chiastic structure. Um, But that's the third sign, is the the healing of this man by the pool of Bethesda that John includes. Um, Let's go ahead and read the fourth sign, which is the feeding of the 5,000. And that one's found in John chapter 6, Mm -hmm. 1 through 14.
0: Okay. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain and sat, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign ha, that he had done, they said, hmm. this is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him a king, Jesus withdrew again <laughs> to the mountain by himself.
1: Okay. So, yeah, this one uh, either says in the, in that word, Uh, When the people saw the sign, it either says sign or signs. Mm. Uh, We have manuscripts that say both. So this could either be referring to the actual feeding of the 5,000 or all the rest of the signs along with this so Mm -hmm. far. Um, But the important thing to note is John has not numbered these yet. But I think that this is the fourth sign, and I'll show you why in a little bit. Uh, Most people think the fifth sign is walking on water. I do not. I think the fifth sign is healing the man born blind, John nine one through forty one. This is a long one. <laughs> okay, John. So
0: oops. nine. Okay, hang on. Maybe I'll just jump over there to. I was scrolling up until this point. John nine
1: what? One through forty one. Oh, the whole chapter.
0: okay (laughs) as he passed by he saw a man blind from birth and the disciples asked him Rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind and Jesus answered that's kind of a funny question if you think about it he's like did this man sin and then he was born blind well what do you think he did in the womb like I mean come on I'm sorry I
1: digress. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's like. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, sorry.
0: <laughs> the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, so that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming. When no one can work, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, mm. he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which meant which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how (laughs) were your eyes opened? And he said, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. And they said to him, Well, where is he? And he said, I do not know. And they brought to the Pharisees the man who had had formerly been blind. And now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I could see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, "'What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes?' And he said, "'He is a prophet.'" The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and said, "'Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see?' And his parents answered, "'We know that this is our son and that he was born blind.'" But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. The parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So therefore his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not (laughs) listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? (laughs) And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this was not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard (laughs) that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man and he answered and who is he sir that i may believe in him and jesus said to him you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you and he said lord i believe and he worshiped him jesus said for judgment i came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who may be, and those who see may become blind some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to him, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains.
1: Oof. I love this story. And it's so worthy of like just breaking down in its various parts. One of the best, best stories of a miracle in the Bible. But... We have to move on this. Yeah, because I want to ghost I about think... the
0: spit in the mud, but because <laughs> you know he does he does that in Mark too, like with a dude who's deaf. He... Yeah, oh, no, yeah. He's deaf and mute. He puts his fingers in the dude's ears and spits like on his tongue.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> slaps. Yeah. And I know that's really
0: <laughs> gross to us, but you know there was actually this belief that the firstborn son had. Healing properties in his saliva—that was part of their culture, and I had, not, right. I had not seen that before. But anyway, Jesus being the firstborn wow. and all—I mean, that just there's all kinds of cool things happening in there. Okay, I digress. Continue on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think that this is the uh, the fifth sign mm-hmm. that Jesus does not the walking on the water, which is like a throwaway. It happens in between some major plot points in the story. Mm-hmm. And I think John alludes to it because he was there and he witnessed it. But I think it's a throwaway compared to these other major stories. If you notice, these take up good, significant chunks mm-hmm. of his gospel, and he's focusing on them for a reason. Um, so th- I think that's the fifth sign. The sixth sign, I believe, then, is uh, the raising of Lazarus, which is uh, a famous one. Chapter, chapter, chapter o- John chapter 11. Verses one through forty-six. Um, so go ahead. You want all of that? that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> maybe for the sake of, yeah, I want it all. all. Right. Let's do it. Right.
0: Let's, you're giving me a workout. <laughs> that's that's fine.
1: I know. Now, I am. A certain man was ill,
0: Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And, this, and the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day He does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, there's a very cryptic, confusing type of answer to that question. I love Jesus. He's so cool. (laughs) So after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking rest in sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. <laughs> Again, so
1: good. I love how he has to be, like, straight up with them. hey, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Do you get it? I, like, Lazarus died. You know, I was
0: trying to be poetic, but you weren't having any of it. And... I love, oh, he
1: says, I love
0: also that he says Jesus he says, we need I need to go I'm glad I wasn't there because now that he's dead you might, you may believe like he's talking to his disciples right
1: <laughs> Dr- <Yeah.
0: laughs> working on the faith it's like come on he says but let us go to him so thomas called the twin said to his fellow disciples let us g- also go that we may die with him I like that's that's admirable And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, he went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews Who were with her in the house consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man (laughs) also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, "Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days." And Jesus said to her, "Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God?" So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go.
1: Ooh, that's so good. Man, all right. So I think that that is the sixth sign, the raising mm-hmm. of Lazarus, which is a a big one. And I think they are escalating, by the way. Uh, it seems like to I, me. I love that they uh, from the, they
0: referenced the para- the blind man. The previous right. sign. That was that was cool. Yeah,
1: that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so I think that that's the sixth sign. So what is the seventh sign? I believe that the seventh sign is the culmination of uh the book of John which is Jesus's death, burial and resurrection. I, I think that that totally fits. So, I'm not going to make you read chapters 19 through, 20, through 20, <laughs> 20 because it'll take all <laughs> night. It is finished. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it is finished. But there are a couple things I I, I want to point point out mm-hmm. here. Uh first off, John uh, specifically makes mention that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is, with, is at the crucifixion scene. Yes. Watching it mm-hmm. unfold. He makes specific mention of wine mixed with gall, mm-hmm. right? The sour yes. wine that they held up to Jesus' mouth when he said, I thirst, right? He makes specific mention of the spear that pierced his sign and blood and water mingling flowing out which is a big deal and then of course the last part when he's buried and then he rises again on the third day he he gives the the story of Jesus talking to Mary Magdalene mm-hmm. right um and he sh- and he shows out um A full restoration, in fact, or not a restoration, but a full transfiguration, which is very interesting. Um, Read chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. I want to point something out to this in just a little bit, so read that one.
0: But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he has said these things to her. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So we did actually a Theonauts on this passage. Do you remember that one? Uh, I think it was yours, where we talked about the idea of the gardener mm-hmm. um, the, the priesthood. being a yes. high priest. It was um, yeah.
0: um, Mike Mahoney, Mike Mahoney's study.
1: Fellow Theonaut and
0: guest of the show, Mike Mahoney. Shout out to you, Brother Mike.
1: That's right. So then, if we have the first sign as the turning water into wine, the second sign healing the officer's son, the third sign healing the man by the pool of Bethesda, the fourth sign feeding the 5,000, the fifth sign healing the blind man, the sixth sign raising Lazarus, and the seventh sign being the crucifixion and the resurrection, it creates a striking uh, chiastic structure. Mm -hmm. Um, There are parallels all through that. So the way a chiastic structure works again is the first parallels the last, the second one parallels the second to the last, then you have the third paralleling the third to the last, Mm -hmm. right? And then in the middle is the meat, the focus. Okay. Which would be the feeding of the 5,000, mm. which is very interesting to me. So I want to point out the the resemblances mm, the parallels. of the stories and how they mirror each other in the chiastic structure. The first one being uh, turning water into wine, mirroring the crucifixion and the resurrection, which to me, this is the most striking mirror. Mm. Out of all so, of many, them. so many I mean, Marys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. What would you say? I didn't so, hear you. So cut So many out. Marys. It's so many Marys. Yeah. There are. So, <laughs> so that's the first thing I want to point out. Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, is present at both the first uh, sign, mm-hmm. which is turning water and wine. She's also present at the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. So there's a mirror there. Jesus makes specific statement to Mary when he says, "Mother, my," or he says, "Woman, my time right. has not come, right? My hour has not come." Right. And then, what's happening at the crucifixion?
0: His hour. His is hour senior.
1: has. Yeah. That's right. His hour is now here, right? Also, Mary is referred to in both of these addresses as woman. Mm-hmm. Uh uh in in the first one woman my hour is not come and then in the second one woman behold your son son behold yes. your yes. mother, right? Uh and also he refers to Mary Magdalene as woman, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me. So there's a bunch of symbolism with water and wine here. Yep. Right? So in the first sign, he takes six jars of water, and he transforms them into wine. Mm -hmm. Now, wine is also at the cross. Mm -hmm. And John makes specific mention of bitter wine, right? Whereas the first wine in the first sign was good wine. The best wine. The best wine. That's right. Here it's bitter wine, which is very interesting to me. You have the picture of wine mixing with water, intermingling with water, and flowing down Jesus' mm-hmm. side, which is a mirror of the water turning into wine. That's good. At yeah. yeah. Also, this is something that struck struck me really powerfully. How many jars are there? Six. There's six, indicating an incomplete miracle Mm -hmm. here, right? The fulfillment of this first sign is the seventh jar being Jesus. Mm, That's good. (laughs) Which is so powerful to me. And what are these jars, by the way? These aren't just random jars laying around. These are... Jars set aside for purification, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're purification jars. So you see here Jesus being the seventh jar of purification that purifies us once and for all. Wow, that's good.
0: You can also see a thing <laughs> happening here uh, that that may have to do with fully God, fully man at the cross, too, because uh, six is the number of man, and so seven is the number mm-hmm. of completion, so it's like the the six jars would be a representation of man. You know, and mm-hmm. then the, the seventh would be completion. That's kind of cool.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Um both of these this is this one's really interesting to me, both of these uh make mention of the third day. So at the beginning of the first first miracle, water and wine, mm-hmm. it says on the third day there was a wedding, and then Jesus rose again on <laughs> the third day, the third day right? which yeah. which is just is just amazing. Also, this is a cause for celebration. This wedding is a is a celebration time, right? Mm-hmm. And the greatest celebration we can we can have is the resurrection of Jesus, right? Um, the reason, uh, I wanted you to read, um, the, uh, the main reason I wanted you to read, uh, chapter 20, the, the, the resurrection story with Mary Magdalene is this whole thing. Don't cling to me. Jesus told her since I have not yet ascended to the father. Um, this is a, this makes it's really a curious thing, and I think Mahoney pointed out some really interesting things about that. But one of the things that I wanted to point out was the idea that this was a transformation of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't just a resurrection, but this is a transformation. So Jesus has been transfor- hes going to be transformed back yes. into his uh, uh, glorified state. Like on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus transforms into his glorified state. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um this the water and a wine is a transformation. Yep. It transforms it from one thing into another. Just like Jesus is transformed from man god to glorified man god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the first fruits of our transformation.
0: Yep, our resurrection.
1: So you see the first sign and the seventh sign have a ton of parallels yes, with each other. Yes. A lot. What about yeah, what about the second sign and the sixth sign, which are the healing of the officer's son and then the raising of Lazarus. Um it's very interesting. So mm-hmm. Uh both of these make mention so there's a couple things I want to point out. Both of these make mention of Jesus remaining where he was for 2 days. <laughs> uh 4:40 and then 11:6.
0: Yeah.
1: Um one thing that people might say is, well, the boy he wasn't dead. He was just sick, right? Mm-hmm. And Lazarus he was fully dead. But whenever the people come to Jesus, in the first part, Lazarus was sick to the point of death, just like yeah. whenever the officer goes to Jesus and his son is sick to the point of death. Yep, right. Yep. Um. So, in both of these, uh, especially the the fir- uh, the the second sign, uh, the boy being brought back uh from the point of death it makes it makes that statement over two times mm. sick to the point of death he was almost he was at death's door that's the idea yeah, here yeah. uh both of these in many ways words it was a are,
0: resurrection even though he wasn't physically dead
1: exactly yeah um and again there's an, an idea of escalating these signs too in the middle of this mm-hmm. right so you can see the the escalation from transforming water into wine to death, burial, and resurrection mm-hmm. being transformative. You see an escalation from uh, a boy who is at the point of death being brought back to life, and Lazarus, who is dead. He's been dead for four days, and he stinketh, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, being, being fully brought back to life. I, I see... In both of these encounters... I see oh, yeah.
0: another uh, parallel in those two, and that is... Um, both of these miracles occur from a distance. Jesus doesn't spit on the ground or rub anything on anybody's eyes or anything like that here. Like he, in one case, he's nowhere near the kid. Like he just speaks it and says, the boy's healed. And here, Jesus doesn't enter the tomb of Lazarus at all he right calls him from the distance lazarus come forth so that's kind of cool
1: oh that's so good yeah uh, another parallel is that both of these both of these healings happen after a family member approaches jesus in the story of the boy mm-hmm. it's his father in the story of uh, lazarus he he's uh, messengers are sent to him and brought to him and then martha approaches him and in both instances Jesus makes a point of their faith, mm-hmm. if you notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the the man believes that Jesus is going to be made well, and then it's mentioned afterwards that the minute that he believed that Jesus was going to make the boy well was the minute that Jesus made the boy well, <laughs> right? It was his faith, yeah. right? And then with Martha, Jesus point blank asks her, do you believe that I can raise up Lazarus, basically, <laughs> or I am the resurrection and the life, right? And uh, and Ma- and Martha responds, yes, I believe that you're the Messiah, right? You can do this. Yeah. So both of these are, are faith stories, which are um, a big deal. So there's striking resemblance in the second sign and the sixth sign. What about the third sign and the fifth sign? This one's really this blows me away. Here's a here's a resemblance. Both of these healings take pe- place by a pool, or there's mention of of a specific pool yeah. in both of them. So we're
0: talking about the paralytic. This word, the 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 guy at the pool of Bethesda, and the healing of the blind man. Right, the the guy. Blind yes,
1: man. those are the two I'm talking okay. about. The pool of Bethesda, where Jesus tells the guy to get up, take mm-hmm. up his mat, and walk, and then the healing of the blind man which are um they parallel each other so so well. Um this word pool is the only time that the word is used in the uh in the New Testament is these, <laughs> these two, two passages. Huh. Right. Very nice. Um yeah, both of them of course have bodily disabilities that Jesus heals. Mm-hmm. Both of them Jesus touches, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? He picks up the man, right? And then he spits on the ground and puts stuff in the in, in the guy's eyes. And by the way, did Jesus have to touch either one of them to heal them? Absolutely not. No, it's kind of weird, right, when you read this, yeah. to go, why would he spit in the ground, make mud, and smear it on the dude's <laughs> eyes? Unless he was getting him to go to wash in the pool. Yes. Which is... A parallel. That's good. That's good. So good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both of these healings take place on the Sabbath.
0: Yep. And get Jesus in trouble.
1: And then... Right. And both of these healings get Jesus into trouble with the Jewish leaders. Um... In both of the healings, the Jewish leaders deny that Jesus' origins are of God. They think that he's either doing these by the devil's work or some magical way, but not by their God, Mm -hmm. right? Not by Yahweh. Um, I think it's it's interesting. In both of these stories, Jesus goes away, and then the Jewish officials confront the man who's being healed. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Jesus comes back to the man who's been healed in both of these instances. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, there's a progression that's noted. The man with the lame legs identifies Jesus to the authorities, and he seems really stupid, by the way. <laughs> um, if you notice yeah. that, he's like, he walks up to the temple, and then the the the, the guys are like, who told you to carry your mat? Uh, the guys are like, why are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? And he's like, uh, the dude told me to carry the mat on the Sabbath. <laughs> and they're like, who told you? And he's like, I-, I don't know. He doesn't even focus on the fact that he's been lame for 36 know, years. <laughs> he's, he's able to walk. It probably has something to do he's with his, like, oh.
0: his social skills. are probably lacking because he's just been sitting on the on the edge of the pool. For 38 years,
1: so <laughs> right, that's very true. It could have been either that, way. but either way, it just makes him look dumb. And then, like, <laughs> he goes and he gives Jesus away after Jesus uh, talks to him again. He, he goes back to the official, he's like, Hey, uh, it wasn't me, it was, it was that guy, Jesus. He told me to carry the mat, <laughs> right? It's so, it's so crazy. But then in the second man, the man born blind, he shows and acknowledges that Jesus is good mm-hmm. and he he acknowledges that he's the Messiah, which is a big deal, all right? So there's another progression here um that's noted. So we see a or the first and the the seventh sign, they fit together. The second sign and the sixth mm-hmm. sign, they fit together. The third sign and the fifth sign fit together, so why is there such a great emphasis on this feeding of the five thousand then what is John getting at with this feeding of the five thousand um if this is if this is the way it works, yeah. which is uh of course uh, it ends up being the the, the uh, typical, fourth the typical sign which is, uh emphasis right. Yeah, the meat in the middle. Well, there's a parallel. There's a symbol. There's much symbolism in this feeding of the 5,000. And in fact, chapter 6, if you continue reading on, Jesus talks about it verbatim. Uh, and so we're going to look at that. But the point is this. Uh, this is the one where the people take part in... Jesus' sign. They sit down, they imbibe, they eat, Mm -hmm. right? They take the food that he gives them. Uh, The picture here is belief or identifying in Jesus as God's son or the Messiah. That's the idea. Mm -hmm. Um, The sign is, this sign is, by the way, delivered to the most people. There's 5,000 of them, right? Plus. So it's this mass. Just 5,000 men. Yeah, plus. So. Right. Who knows how many women and children. So there's this mass of people that Jesus gives the sign to. But then it comes with the chastisement and the desire for full bellies instead of realizing that Jesus is the bread of life. I want us to look at um, John 6. Mm-hmm. Verses 22 through 69, because this is where Jesus really explains this event and also invites them to partake in the meaning of the <coughs> event, uh, which they run away from, by the way. <laughs> so Okay, on the
0: next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who is he has sent. And so they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them the bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not th- never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe.
1: Hold up right there for okay. just a second. Um, This... This is really interesting. First off, he gives, in verse 29, mm-hmm. he gives them the answer to to the whole thing. This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. So this is their participation in in his coming, yeah. right? Yeah. This is their, by their faith, they can partake. And then there's this parallel that John, or John does so good, where he talks about Moses in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. there's a symbol here, right? It, when when the Israelites were roaming around in the wilderness, they were hungry and they were thirsty, and God sent them manna down from heaven, right? So there's a picture here that that Moses is a lesser Jesus, mm, yes, right? It's kind of a Hebrew, but not only it's
0: the Hebrews letter. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, Moses, whereas Moses fed them physical food, Jesus is going to feed them spiritual food that's going to well up into everlasting Mm -hmm. life, which is a big deal. And that's what he's offering them. I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. And then he says, but I told you, you've seen me, and yet you don't believe. Okay, so keep going. Verse 37.
0: All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son, and believes in Him, should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, "I am the bread that came down from heaven." <laughs> it's like uh, you kind of missed it. it. You missed it. There was <laughs> I keep throwing them. They're going right over your head. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it reminds me of Foghorn Leghorn in the in the.
1: <laughs> oh yeah the, I say I say the, boy I keep throwing them I keep throwing them and they, keep you, throwing keep them them. you
0: keep messing them <laughs> so the Jews grumbled about him because he said I am the bread that came down from heaven and they said is not this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know how does he now say I have come down from heaven and Jesus answered them do not grumble among yourselves Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, and not not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum.
1: (laughs) So this is the explanation of the feeding of the 5,000. And he has to go on. You you have to keep reading in this this sign in order to understand the significance of Mm -hmm. it. It's a picture (laughs) of what Moses did in the desert, right? Mm -hmm. These guys are... Away from society, they're on a hilltop, they're hungry, and Jesus feeds them bread, and then they come searching for him for more signs, and he tells them, Listen, what you're what you're searching for is me. If you believe in me, you'll never <laughs> hunger or thirst again. And they don't get it. They don't get it. And I, I really feel like Jesus is like <laughs> is being snarky at some point. Oh, hey, whenever he gets to verse 53, yeah, he's
0: turned on them. Like the, the minute they do that, that how can this man give us his flesh? to eat? Jesus is like, I'm going full blown. I'm going all the way on, on this metaphor. I'm go- you, you, you guys right. need to be eating on me. Like that's, he knew that that was going to like offend them and that they were going to leave. <laughs> Cause he's like, okay, if you don't get it, you're not going to get it. Like. Right. Yeah, I am speaking in in a uh, in a in a metaphor here, and you guys aren't catching it at all. So I'm just going to lay it out there. Feast on me! Don't just eat me. Feast on me.
1: Feast on me. That's right. Drink my blood. (laughs) (laughs) So good, and you know, and so we can tie this into the Lord's supper. I mean, it has a ton of. Uh, a ton of correlation there. This is symbolic, mm-hmm. definitely. But the point is, the central point is trusting in Jesus to feed us, like the Israelites trusted God through Moses to feed them in the desert. Is is uh, is a spiritual aspect? The central point of the gospel, the central point of the entire gospel of John, is faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the Partaking message of him, feasting on him. Partaking of him, participating mm-hmm. with him, identifying with him, which is a big deal, and uh, and and how do Christians identify with with Jesus? They trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. They partake of the Lord's Supper. They're bapti- baptized into new life. These are all symbols showing our faith in Jesus, which is a big deal, um, and that that is the central of this chiasm, mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it's the central of John's gospel, the whole message. What blows me away is that most of them leave him at this point. Yeah, Most of these people who've been following Jesus, they they abandoned him. Um, if you read further, it says, therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard, who can accept it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And then further down the way, it literally says that, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him, right? Jesus turns to the twelve, "You don't want to go away too, do you?" and Simon Peter answered, "Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life." Their message there is that you know <laughs> this uh this may be hard, but the reality is is that his message is truth, and so there's they have to either accept this truth, or they can't be a part of him, which is a big deal. So anyways, that's basically the chiastic structure I see, and that's, to me, that's a picture of the seven signs in John. Um, and it makes a lot more sense to me than the throwaway one of, I call it a throwaway one. I mean, it is a miracle, but the throwaway sign of, Jesus walking on water. <laughs> com-
0: it's, it's so funny because uh, yeah, it's not a big deal. He's just walking on the water. Not- <laughs> I mean, and, and, uh, not <laughs> you know, not to make just yeah. to walk in the park. He's just always just w- walking on water. He's not right. to
1: make light of that. I mean, it's not not anything to make light of. But in comparison, as far as what John's focusing on, that's well, not a. Big deal in comparison.
0: Well, I think probably the best way to say it would be it's not um, focused on the signs that John seems to be focused on. Right. Like, it doesn't have a parallel meaning with other signs that kind of come together. Yeah. Like, it doesn't fit into the equation.
1: Right. But whenever you do it like this, or whenever you... You read it like this, it takes a chiastic structure which fits so well with with John's writing style to begin with. I mean that's mm-hmm. how he writes, and he he wants to point out this this whole focus that the whole point is faith in Jesus Christ. that's it, and when yeah, we have faith yeah. in him, we participate in him, um which is a big deal, so anyways, that's. The study for tonight. I love it. I love <laughs> it.
0: It was so good. Thanks for your study on that. That was hey, very fitting.
1: No problem, man. I, I, I can't take credit. These, these guys, these great theologians, like, really blew me away with that. But anyways, it's so exciting when you find little things like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, it is. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Little nuggets. Right, dude.
0: It's, a, it's the, the glory of God to conceal
1: a thing. But the honor of Keaton is to search out of matter. Amen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. Well All right. You, I didn't get any news because I was so focused on that. So uh if if you're ready to sign up, I'm that's, pulling up my notes good. right now. But if you're ready to sign off now, I'm ready. Whenever you want to. You got
0: your, you, you got you got you got your sign out notes? Oh, well, we probably, we probably should update them
1: again. We really need to because we're not doing Theopop anymore, really. Yeah, what happened
0: to that? We probably need to do that. We. we. It was a great idea.
1: Yeah. I came up with it, so obviously it was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something. All right. Let's rock. Okay.
0: The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Network transmission network <laughs> using the new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news hang on one second. <laughs> like a crazy... okay um yeah okay
1: <laughs> go ahead jeremiah check out our podcast pop culture podcast the pop <laughs> whatever we do it maybe i don't know in five years Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, whenever that happens. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. Maybe not on these end notes, though, tonight. Just give us some grace, <laughs> there, okay? We had some There battle. are
0: several <laughs> several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us an email to info at theonotspodcast.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270.
1: Find us on Instagram using at Theonautical or like us on Facebook using facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two
0: at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs.
1: And thank you to the new patron we just received. You're awesome, by the way. Yes,
0: uh, Angela. Angela just just, uh, jumped on board.
1: That's awesome. All right. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David.
0: God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. Seven zero,
1: love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission at gctnetwork.com. This is your Great Commission transmission. Holy Ghost power, that's awful.